0: And welcome to Food Navigator Asia's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage firms in the Asia Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Pearlie, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for this series. Joining me today is David Booker founder and CEO of Australia-US firm Change Foods, which is focused on using bioengineering technology to create cheese and other dairy products that are animal-free. A major area here is a tech which we call precision fermentation, which we will get back to in a bit. But first of all, hello, David. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much, Peli. It's a delight to talk to you today.
0: Very nice to have you here, indeed. And perhaps let's start off by talking a little bit about change foods and your dairy or your cheese or alternative focus. So, are there any particular reasons you've chosen to work on cheese first, actually?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, for a number of reasons, actually. So, you know, cheese is really, I guess, the final frontier for anyone sort of going plant based, and and I mm-hmm. think you know people are addicted to cheese. We all love cheese. <laughs> And I'm a big fan, I've been uh, examining, I guess, the food technology and innovation space for the past sort of four to five years. And really, um, I've been a big fan of precision fermentation Its potential. And I think that dairy specifically is the perfect um, application of that technology because it allows you to mimic the key components that make dairy dairy and therefore be able to to produce a product that actually mimics the real thing and i think then that will have a great uh, impact for many mainstream consumers
0: i know we touched on this briefly the last time we spoke but for the benefit of our listeners perhaps you could go into more detail on the fermentation technology you spoke about you know why have you chosen to use this to produce animal free products you know in an environment especially where other types of alternative tech you know plant based cell based there's so much in the spotlight this is somewhat different
1: yeah, it is. It is. It's certainly sort of, in, in a way, it's it's sort of in the middle because we're still going to be formulating um, cheeses, for example, with other plant-based ingredients. So it is in some ways plant-based. However, with dairy specifically, there's something very unique about the functional proteins, and in the cheeses and high-fat cheeses like cheddar, for example, um, fat is also important in terms of its functionality and texture that we're all familiar with and uh, are looking for, and and I think precision fermentation is actually a type of cellular technology. So it's called acellular agriculture because it's using host cells to actually produce um, these compounds of interest um, through a process called precision fermentation. And fermentation is something that we're all quite familiar with. It's been used for you know, many, many years for things like yogurt and, and cheese making and in wine and beer. Um, but of course, it's called precision fermentation because we can control um, very precisely the inputs and conditions of that fermentation to produce, you know, and maximize the outputs that we're looking for. So, in some ways, it's, um, it's, it's, um, you know, more advanced than just plant-based technology because once again it's producing bio-identical compounds that are very similar or in in fact almost identical to the real you know the real proteins and fats that come in conventional dairy. And so that way because they're so important to replicate the the true taste, function and texture, um, that's why we can produce a product that ultimately is going to be you know pretty much like the real thing.
0: Do you believe that products made from fermentation technology such as what you are working on now, you know, do these have the potential to become mainstream, you know, in a way sooner than plant-based or cell-based yeah. technology? <laughs> there was an excited yeah, answer. No, no, go ahead,
1: go ahead. <laughs> no, that's that's what really motivated me about about doing this is because obviously, you know, I'm very motivated by a lot of the issues we're contending and with globally, you know, obviously climate change Um, you know, human health and nutrition and the ethical treatment of animals. And and that's what motivated me really to sort of look at what is the product that we can put out into the market that can have the biggest impact. And of course, you have to speak to the mainstream consumer and really get people to switch very easily to products that they're familiar with and, you know, and, and are really excited to try. And I think that this sort of cellular technology is really the solution to really providing really, you know, as closely as possible accurate you know, I guess, um, alternatives to to the, to the real, you know, to real products that people can try and have the exact same experience mm-hmm. because it's producing the exact same compounds. And this is where precision fermentation for dairy in particular is a perfect sweet spot um, because the beautiful thing about it being a hybrid technology of producing some cellular compounds and then, I guess, blending it with other plant-based ingredients, it allows you then to actually customise and optimise the mm-hmm product. And so then you can actually formulate products, you know, to meet mainstream consumer demands and desires, for example, lactose free, um, or, or, you know, people are more sensitive to the allergens in dairy. And so there are ways that we can actually engineer and formulate products that will help um, appeal to the the mass market consumer and what the consumer trends are at the time.
0: All right, very cool. So, do you think precision <laughs> fermentation can yeah. also be utilized in other ways apart from dairy, you know, even in like making, you know, oh, yeah. meats and things like that?
1: yeah absolutely absolutely the good thing about this technology is that it's actually been used for over 30 years for many different applications so it's a technology that we're actually quite familiar with it's just that it's reached now over the last few years a point where the cost is starting to become quite competitive in food which is why now we're going to see it starting to be applied to food products and be quite disruptive and actually be quite revolutionary I believe over the next 10 to 20 years in um, in really sort of redefining foods and so absolutely Absolutely, dairy to me is causing a dramatic impact um, globally for so many uh, issues. And so, you know, by far the best first-party application, I believe, to make a big impact. Um, and then beyond that, really, the technology that we're developing is, is like a foundational baseline technology that can then be transformed into other applications. So, for example, in a lipid production that we're focused on, you know, whilst we're first obviously trying to recreate the same lipid profiles that are seen in dairy, then that can easily quite be switched to, for example, meat lipid profiles. So then it can help support, you know, plant-based meats or cell-based meats as well and improve, I guess, the uh, the lipid um, properties of those particular products that will ena- enable them to get one step further to actually being and behaving like the, like the real thing.
0: So we've thought a lot about the tech, so now I'd like to shift focus a little bit and dive into your entrepreneurial journey so far. So I understand that your background is in aerospace engineering and you've also worked with Boeing for over a decade. So my gosh, how did you find yourself here in food entrepreneurship and food technology?
1: Yeah, a lot of people ask that question. It's, pretty, it's a pretty uh, big leap. Um, yeah, so my background absolutely is in aviation and aerospace, having worked for many years in that industry in many different functions from design engineering, to stress analysis, to um, to manufacturing, to quality assurance. So many different functions and very steeped in that industry. And a lot of people sort of say, how do you make that transition? But, you know, I think there is some parallels, actually, because it's all based on innovation and technology. And and really, once I learned about, you know, obviously the issues we're contending with, which I mentioned before, Um, and then the potential that food technology and innovations have to actually be a a solution to help combat these big problems that we're facing, once I connected those dots, um, it really was a big motivator for me in my life personally and also professionally because I changed my diet almost immediately overnight. Um, Once I really connected those dots and did a lot of research, and um, you know, so I became vegan. I became plant-based overnight, and then, of course, you know, suddenly aerospace actually felt almost insignificant compared to having to redirect all of my skill set and experience to help solve some of these problems. And so, I knew I wanted to be part of that food tech solution and do what I could with my background and experience to accelerate that.
0: Very big leap, as you said. And you did mention, um, you know, the parallels that you that that, that you, you saw between aerospace engineering and food technology. So. Perhaps you could highlight some of these parallels that you've seen between the two industries that are so different
1: yeah sure i mean i'm a big fan and believer in cross-pollination of technologies across industries i think we learn a lot from that and i think there's strength in diversity and so coming from aerospace engineering into the food industry you know it was really quite revealing to me in terms of the opportunity to leverage some of the skill sets that we learned in that really high-tech manufacturing and bridge that over to food tech and of course Food, food, you know, manufacturing has been, you know, I guess, quite a standing industry for many years, and now where it's starting to be at the nexus of now technology and biotechnology sort of meeting traditional manufacturing. It's a really interesting opportunity to sort of leverage high technology manufacturing skills and bringing them into food manufacturing. And I think that's what really, um, you know, excited me. And, um, you know, and it's specifically in Australia as well. I mean, there's a bit of a decline in general manufacturing. Automotive manufacturing, for example, has been declining over the last few years and has been uh, moving and transitioning over to Asia because it's more labour intensive. And where the real niche for manufacturing exists is in sort of high technology, high innovation and high R&D manufacturing. And so this, once again, this new food, um, you know, I guess, uh, movement in this high technology space is actually quite fitting to start a new manufacturing sector in Australia and and, and beyond and in Asia and Singapore and, and obviously regionally.
0: There must have been quite a few personal and professional challenges you saw when making this change so are there any of these that you could highlight perhaps for our listeners
1: for me i i didn't want to just rush into anything so i actually wanted to first of all figure out a transitional plan for me to move from aerospace into food because i'm transitioning from a very different technology and and manufacturing process into food i didn't want to rush into anything so i actually um, figured out a plan um, where I, you know, wanted to just learn about the industry. So I actually left uh, Boeing at the time and, and actually moved in to become the COO of a hemp food startup here in Australia. And that was a really great stepping stone because being a startup, you sort of see the full value chain. of of operations and being operationally involved that was perfect for me because then I could you know learn about manufacturing, supply chain, logistics, how it works in the food industry in Australia and also getting right onto shelf with the largest retailers, uh, Coles and Woolworths in Australia and sort of learning and seeing that full process. So that was the perfect transitional stepping stone. I also helped um, start a not-for-profit Um, company or sorry organization here in australia called food frontier um, which is sort of an industry think tank and accelerator for the alternative Mm. protein movement so once again that allowed me to really understand deeply the uh the movement globally and who's doing what and what technology is being evolved but also to identify gaps and opportunities um to sort of um to help move into and fill i think there's there was a bit of a gap in the sort of precision fermentation in dairy application space, you know, I was a big sort of fan of other companies worldwide that it started pioneering and doing stuff in this space, but I also knew that, you know, there needs to be many more players and, you know, dairy, for example, is a huge kingdom of foods. It's different in every single geography. And so I knew that there needed to be more solutions to help bring these products to market and make an impact.
0: Maybe you could also highlight some of the major differences that you've seen between the two industries and how you overcame these differences.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, for me, it's just about systems and and also, you know, um, control, systems and control. So really, I think... You know, there's, there's very well sort of documented processes and methods in aerospace, you know, and everything you do has to be, you know, very tightly controlled mm-hmm. and documented and accounted for. And I think that food is, is, is um, very, it's a big spectrum, I guess, depending on the operation and some companies can operate, you know, um, very loosely. in in food and in terms of their documentation and controls and and quality assurance methods and right through to very sophisticated large-scale manufacturers which obviously have their full accreditations. And so what was a bit eye-opening to me was just to see that variation in industry that I'm not normally used to. Mm -hmm. And so having to really set up processes, understand accountability, and, and I think there is still opportunity to really you know, and continually improve. And I think one of the core things in, in aerospace engineering and specifically Boeing was the mentality that we should be the best at becoming better. And I think that was really key and paramount to the way that they look at manufacturing and they're always continually improving. And I think with food, sometimes it's a bit of status quo and, um, and there's not, you know, and it's good because it's very commercial and there's a lot of commercial and cost pressures, which I think is great. And that's helped drive a lot of improvement, but I think from a technology point of view there's a lot of status quo. So I think, you know, it was, um, it's that, that discipline, I think, in food that was lacking. And I think, you know, there's opportunity for that in these new food tech startups mm. to sort of look at that process. And, you know, we don't have to, we're making cheese, but we don't have to follow traditional cheese making. We can look at cheese making in a very different way. And I think having that high tech sort of process behind it will really help.
0: So what are some of your main motivations, you know, to, to keep going on despite all the hard work, all the changes that you must have seen, that you, that you, that you are going through right now as well?
1: I'm excited by the potential that this has to transform people's lives. And I've been through that myself. And I just know that from switching my own choices on a daily basis has made a big profound impact to the way that that I view um, conscious consumerism. And I think that motivates me. So on a personal level, you know, it's really motivating to be able to work on something that has deeper values. And um, the reason I call it Change Foods is because, you know, It's about everyone's journey of change. And as you know from my backstory, I've been through tremendous change. And I think that we should all strive to, to try and change and be the best that we can be. I think that's our purpose. And I think once we educate ourselves, we learn about the issues and align ourselves to try and help and improve, the choice that you can make from whatever you put in your mouth can actually have a big impact beyond just yourself, beyond just your family, and then beyond the community Behind the beyond the country and then globally and I think that's what change is about so it's one person's journey of change that can then echo and create change uh you know uh, at many different levels beyond that and that really motivates me as well is there
0: anything that you wish you had known when you started out on this journey in the beginning is there anything you might have changed or done differently
1: I think the best thing um is really just don't rush you know I think you know, um, really try to learn um, about what it is that you're moving into and um, and the more experience you can get from joining other teams or um, joining other groups to that have been through this journey, I think that's really valuable. So I guess, and also at the same time, you don't want to sit back and wait too long. I think, you know, had I had my time uh, again, I probably would have, you know, um, I guess, probably started this Change Feeds journey even earlier um, in terms of um, just trying to not wait for sort of the perfect the perfect moment, but really sort of scrambling and saying that I'm committed to this because I knew I was committed to it about, you know, two or three years ago in terms of dairy being the biggest thing that I really felt was the biggest opportunity. But, um, you know, I sort of had to do a lot of research and find and navigate and find my my way through all of that. So I think... The biggest lesson was really just, you know, once I sort of bit the bullet and sort of said, right, who am I going to partner with? Because I'm not a biotechnician. I knew I had to find the right co-founder to help from a science point of view. And so I wish I, I guess I, I sort of went into the right circles, connected with the right people to accelerate that process. And whilst I got there, I think my advice to a lot of other people doing this is really, you know, commit to something that really inspires and motivates you. And then once you've done that, don't be scared to, take a step but take a, a calculated risk step in terms of finding the right people it's a, it's amazing what can come together um, once you start going down that road
0: what is next for yourself and for change foods like where do you see yourself in the company in the next perhaps 12 months or perhaps 5 years down the line
1: well, I mean, there's just so much going on. I mean, we're moving at a, at a, at a million miles an hour. Um, we're rapidly growing. We're expanding the team. And, and I'm building a, a senior team in the US as well at the moment because unfortunately due to COVID, I'm still in Australia. And I'm obviously looking to get to the US as soon as I can. But in parallel, I have got, you know, other minor co-founders and people in the US that are helping, um, you know, build the team there so we can make an impact and, and sort of, you know, get products um, um, formulated and, and try and, you know, work on our product development over the next 12 to 18 months. So that's our key focus really is sort of building our food science team and and really formulating and producing our first cheese products and other sort of uh, uh, dairy products as well, sh- showcasing our unique technology. And really, you know, within five years, what we hope to do is, you know, obviously be in market, um, to have scaled our technology and to also look at, um, you know, um, actually expanding that production capability in Australia and Singapore to then help sort of meet some of the increasing demand in Asia. And um, and we believe that, you know, with precision fermentation, once again, we can customise locally to those markets because there is differences and nuances, you know, that this technology is really geared for, that we can help then bring products to these other regions. So, yeah, in five years, we're hoping that we'll have a portfolio of dairy products in in both, you know, the American, you know, and and sort of Asia-Pacific markets.
0: Okay, thank you so much for joining me today, David. I had a very good time speaking with you. All right, thank you. And thank you, everyone, also for listening to this podcast as well. And I wish everyone a great day ahead. For Food Navigator Asia, this is Curly, signing out.